to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Sips Magazine. We're happy to finally have a podcast right before the end of 2016. We apologize for the hiatus due to the festive season and also some family health issues that kept us away from the computer. Today, it's a look at the year in comics 2016 with three guests in separate interviews. Joe Sposto from Longbox Heroes, Matt D., who contributes to the magazine, and Al Kennedy from House to Astonish. We talk about some of the big news in the year, and then a long, long list of our favorite books of the year. We also have some brief non-comics talk. There's some Marvel Puzzle Quest talk with Joe, and some wrestling talk with Matt and Al. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Robot Parade! Robot Parade! Wave the flags that the robots made! Robot Parade! Robot Parade! Robots obey what the children say! Welcome back to the Winter Palace. We start our look at the year in comics 2016 with the co-host of the Longbox Heroes podcast, the man we now know as Joe. How's it going, Joe? I'm doing good, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, always a pleasure. Like, I don't talk comic books enough. We always get into a little bit different of a conversation here, so it, 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 all, it all works itself out in the wash. Well, yeah, we had planned to do best of the year talk, and you guys did not really do any of that this week on your show. You sort of did a normal show, so it's not like we're going to be repeating anything you guys may have talked about on this week's show. To kick things off, do you think there's an overriding main comics news story of 2016? The two things that came to mind were, um, obviously, Rebirth, and I think we can call it a success so far, both critically and financially. And maybe, and this is comics as just sort of being part of the wider world, but just sort of being a very crappy year in terms of interpersonal relations. We, I know there's been a number of high-profile creators who had to get off social media because of all of the abuse they had been taken and just sort of the way everything has sort of gone in the culture this year anyway. But those are the two that I thought of. Um, do you have another one maybe, or do you agree with those? Well, I would definitely say DC kind of writing the ship after, you know, five-some years of trying and trying and trying and finally getting something that sticks. And, you know, we're only six months in, and it seems to be working so far. And when can you say that it's a quantified success? You know, is it at six months? Is it at a year? Is it at whatever? Because, as you mentioned, it's, for the most part, a critical success, and for the most part, a financial success. There hasn't been too much uh, in the way of late books of, like, the main series. You know, your ancillary weird, like, Frank Miller, you know, Dark Knight 3s and stuff, those are invariably going to be late. Um, but they don't run into the same problems. Well, they, they don't have any sort of big event book going on right now, which Marvel, over the last, like, two or three events, have run into that ad nauseum where books are late. Like, the main book is late, and then that just kind of muddies up the rest of the line there dc does not have that book or that event or that thing that has the potential to muddy up the entire line 
And I think that's the real, that's going to be the real difference maker when they have that event book, which is speculated for this summer. When they have that event book, is it going to muddy up the rest of the line? Or are they going to be able to keep things moving as smoothly as they have been for the last six months with certain books, double shipping and things of that nature? Or once that first issue of whatever it is comes out, the wheels are just immediately going to fall off. Well, if I remember right, New 52 certainly started, at least financially, it was a home run. Because I remember it was certainly the first time maybe ever that it was, you know, it had most of the books in the top 10, if not the top 20, and was sure of just kicking kicking Marvel. I admittedly was not reading them then because I had, I had vowed to sort of, I had given up. But it seems like eventually, uh, you know, there were certain certain books that, you know, stayed quality-wise, but it, def- it definitely seemed like by the end, New 52 had definitely lost its luster. Well, I'll say this. A lot of it, I think, happened about six about six months in. And I say this only because um, there was talk that, you know, we get that thing. It's 52 books all, you know, coming out all at once, right? And there were certain books that looked to be, like, you know, you're not going to fail with a Batman. You're not going to fail with Grant Morrison on Action Comics. You know, all these different books... But then there were the, your certain, you know, the, your lower tier books like your Demon Knights or your Stormwatch or your Men at War, just as an example, where there were books like Men of War, where the creators were told a week before the books were published that your book's being canceled after six issues. Now, can you really get a read on that sort of thing? And like, there's been nothing like that with Rebirth is what I'm saying where creators are told a week before the first issue of something comes out that your book isn't get, your book is having its legs cut out from underneath it immediately. But like you said, we were only probably like six months, eight months maybe, because I know some of the books are like at what, like the double ship books are like at 12, 13, something like that, right about there. Right, and the other thing is, of course, that they staggered it as well. You know, they didn't release everything in June. You know, we're still here now with February coming out, and we're getting to see, you know, the Batwoman book that wasn't announced initially, the Super Sons book that was announced as part of the initial release, and now it's these books for whatever reason, whether they had to come out at a certain time, they made creative changes, whatever it was, instead of let's just rush and get everything out and then hope for the best after the fact which seemed to be DC's strategy for the better part of the last five, even, you know, ten years, even. And it seems as though they're on track, and I think it's going to be a big event book that is really going to test the success rate of Rebirth. But again, right now, it seems to be good. What do you think have been the the best Rebirth book so far? Most people seem to say uh, the two or three Bat books – Wonder Woman, Flash. I know a lot of people say Green Arrow. Would you pretty much agree with that consensus? Um, I tried Green Arrow, and there was just something about it that wasn't really grabbing me. I think that one was one of the one of the ones that I wasn't reading before Rebirth, and a little bit was tying into Rebirth, but also trying to reestablish Black Canary back into Green Arrow, where she had not been for almost five years, and it just felt like well. We got to line it up because Green Arrow and Black Canary are supposed to be together. The Arrow TV TV show is popular. Let's kind of have it look like that, maybe feel like that a little bit. And the Black Canary stuff just didn't work. But the other books that you mentioned, your Flash is really good. And it's good to be reading a Flash book after, you know, Flash being not terrible, but definitely not pull list worthy for a while. Um, You know, Tom King on Batman and uh, who's the uh, 
James Tinian the Fourth on Detective Comics. Detective Comics for me was the real sleeper book of the Rebirth pick because I'm like, okay, it's a Batwoman book, but a lot of times if it's not the right creative team on Batwoman, I don't think they get it right. And then it's a team book and it's a weird team book that has like a bunch of former Robins on it and Clayface, and I'm just like, no, nah, this one's just not grabbing me. And then the, after the second issue came out, Todd is like, uh, you know, Todd, who I do Long Box Heroes with, is like, you gotta read Detective. And I read Detective, I'm like, this is way better than what my expectations were. And I thought to myself, I'm like, well, maybe it's because I had such low expectations and it exceeded them. Maybe that's the only reason I enjoy it. But now that they're so far into what the book is, I think it's held that quality, which is sometimes tough for a book to do. And, you know, we mentioned about Batman, of course. Uh, Greenland or Hal Jordan of the Green Lantern Corps was another book that I think fell under my radar at the least. Like, I would given up on Green Lantern uh, at DC a while ago just because the book's Again, they just weren't clicking for me. They felt like they were trying to be something that they shouldn't be. I, I can't put my finger on it, but this book felt good, and it kind of helped that Sinestro was the main crux of the first story arc, and again, that helped a lot. But um, DC, like I said, they've got a lot more books on, uh, you know, on my pull list they have in quite some time. It's still not Marvel, but that's just because I think Marvel is doing a little bit better with utilizing the creators that they have where DC I think is in a rebuilding phase and of course you know we talked about Wonder Woman I think Wonder Woman is really good I've been enjoying the um, the origin story because they do the two issues where one of the issues of the month is what's currently going on the other issue of the month is the first appearance of Wonder Woman in like DC Rebirth Universe and I've really been enjoying those a lot more than the other one not to say that I haven't been enjoying the current arc it's just that the the learning process of getting to meet this Wonder Woman is really, really good, I think. We're going to talk about Tom Kinks more in a little bit. But yeah, it's like, I, I've as I've said on the pod, it's like, I was going to give it a chance because he was writing it. And then, you know, he pulls out some of my favorite bad guys. And then this, uh, the Suicide Squad arc, I thought the last, I said on Twitter, I said, this last issue gets my highest pop culture recommendation is it felt like one of the good episodes of Mission Impossible, which is my all-time favorite TV show. So oh, okay. that that last issue when, like, the plan comes together, I just thought was brilliant. So all these books are really, you know, DC is on point right now. Um, they're on track. They're on schedule. Things are coming out. You know, they're not doing too much. Uh, behind the scenes, I guess. Have you read um, Have you read any of the the Young Animal books? I have not. Like because it's not part of the main universe, and I don't have a connection. Like I'm not a Doom Patrol guy. Um, you know, all the other properties are just not grabbing me, so I didn't try any of them. But you know, I hear really good things about them. I yeah, I read most of the first issues. Um, I sort of thought. With a lot of stuff now, I recognize that it was well-made, but it just didn't click. And so, like, I may go back to it when the trade comes out to see if I feel any different. But I think, if we want to segue, I think that's sort of the same at Marvel and maybe even with some of the some of the image in any books. It's, I, I know they're good, and I know lots of people that talk them up, but for just for whatever reason, you know, I went through four issues with Black Panther when with the new creative team, and didn't wasn't clicking for me. It's right. 
Um, I know we're going to have uh, Al Kennedy from House to Astonish on later. There's been some of the some of the indie books that he really loves, like Giant Days. It's like I tried, and it's just like you know I can see why people like this. It's just not for me. And I mean, I think that's one of the things about comics in 2016 is there's so much stuff. Yes. That like there's stuff for everybody. So if you don't like a book, Godspeed, and you know I hope it does well, but it it you know probably doesn't need me buying it to keep it keep it going just because you know the book needs sales. It's you know, there were there was something else at Marvel that you know like sort of a lot of the the funny book. Like I know I know you're a big Squirrel Girl fan. That book just I just got to the point when I wasn't enjoying it, but I know like lots of people like it and you know I I can see that it's funny, but it just wasn't for me. And I I kind of I kind of drifted off Hellcat too cuz I was really enjoying that for a while, especially cuz it was like had all this weird old continuity that I knew. Mm-hmm. But it was just like eh. you know, it's like I flip through it in the store and go, well, "Okay, yeah, I got it and put it back cuz and again, you know, plenty of books. It's like, you know, everybody's got a budget. So Right, and that's and that's what it's it's a budget and time. And you know, you mentioned about Squirrel Girl and I was loving Squirrel Girl for the longest time. And I don't know if you had read it and I know it got a lot of acclaim online. The issue where it was like a choose your own adventure book. Right. Um and I know there were a lot of people that didn't like the if you've ever read Squirrel Girl, and I guess this is something that happens in like web comics a lot, where you read it and then at the bottom margin there'll be like additional like information, like whether it's a character in the book talking to you or another side conversation or an editor or a writer, it's like a kind of an ongoing dialogue throughout the actual main story that's in the panels. So they do this issue and it's with the swarm, which is like one of my favorite like eighth rate Spider Man villains, right? Swarm Right. Just from that that, that great I know there's like a, the, there's a YouTube clip from that from that episode of Spider-Man where it's just it's just him saying swarm over and over again. Right. So they they have that and they do the choose your own adventure thing. So now you've the book just became too busy. Like you're trying to follow like which panels you're supposed to read and then those annotations of like well if you want her to do this go to this panel and this panel and then you've got the bottom annotation and I'm just like there's too much going on. I'm a dumb person. You know, when at the end of the day, and I can't follow this book, and I had to stop reading it. I felt bad because you know it was a funny book. I liked it very much, and you know I, I don't have a ton of what would typically be labeled as a straightforward humor book, and that's more so Marvel's thing, the best humor book. And again, I can't remember if it's like it definitely started with DCU, and I think maybe the last issue might have come out in 2016. I'd have to double check everything. But the uh, Bizarro miniseries that DC did uh, this past year. Right. Might have been within the last, like, 12 months, definitely. I, like I said, I, I'm not 100% sure if the last issue came out in 2016 to count for this. But it was really good. It was a premise that, you know, shouldn't have made sense. You know, sh- I shouldn't have liked. But it looked cool. It looked unique. And it looked different of Bizarro and Jimmy Olsen going on a road trip and crossing over into all these different parts of the DC universe – and it just worked, and it was funny, and it didn't feel like um, I had to work to find the humor in the book. And I'm sure if I worked, I probably would have found more humor in the book. 
because you know there's a lot of in jokes depending on your levels of knowledge of DC continuity and character relations and things like that. But just as a straightforward humor humor book, it was really really good. That's that's how I feel now about of all things the the Scooby Doo team up book, mm-hmm. which has just been chock full of amazing like old old pre-crisis old school continuity and weird cameos and i think the one that i i got you guys to talk about on your show was was the dog episode where like they use ace the bat hound and crypto and yankee poodle from captain carrot and yes. um space canine patrol agency and then uh the one after that was uh, had Zatanna, and then it had all of these old sort of Golden Age magic users making a guest star appearance, and that was that was great. I think the new one that isn't in print yet that's still online, I, I think it's this week. This week or last week has Harley Quinn in it. Like old school Bat, Batman Adventures Harley Quinn. That I think is a very, that book I think is great because it works on the level, for, you know, to give it to a kid, and then so much weird, obscure. DC stuff and the other the other I guess it's, a, it's certainly a humor book is probably Scotty Young's I Hate Fairyland which yes. which is crazy it's this bizarre satire of I nominally I guess the Wizard of Oz but hyper violent but in a funny way and it's really great but certainly not for it's certainly not a kid's book it looks like no. a kid's book because scotty young's dr- writing and drawing it and, and that's why i'm glad i get the variant covers where the they change the title is the swear word yeah and it comes in a black bag <laughs> because my son i get him a lot of the scotty young stuff and he loves little a versus x uh when he when they did that miniseries during secret wars right. he loves that story he thinks it's hilarious, and that's one of the books that, you know, we read to him every night before he goes to bed. And if he just saw that cover, he might pick it up. Now, granted, he's not going to know, you know, the swear words, but it's a very violent and graphic book. But yeah, that's I would, I would definitely recommend that to people. As a whole, what would you say is your one or two books of the year? We'll, we'll sort of I'll remove the temptation for you to say saga because right. you guys always talk about how it's your favorite book and I think we all acknowledge how great it is. So we'll just sort of put that to the side for a second. But other than that, what would you say are like your one or two, maybe three like book of the year books? I really enjoy the fix uh, over at Image, the uh, new Nick Spencer Steve Lieber project. Um, I just as I mentioned. I recently caught up on Moon Knight, the Jeff Lemire run, and that's really good, but I don't know if I would put it in my top two, but it's definitely top five, I would I, say. Yeah, I, and we may talk about this with Al, but on the, the House to Astonish Awards ballot, you know, I put Moon Knight as best new series because I think for a book, it's a crazy book for a crazy character. Yep. And I think you, you really have no idea what's really going on in that book. And, you know, he's he's playing with a lot of old Moon Knight continuity, which sometimes it seems like they try and get rid of. I mean, Moon Knight gets revived so often. Right, and it's, I think, because remember when um, Warren Ellis took it over, right? They, because Warren Ellis took it over, then there was the Brian Wood run, then there was the Cullen Bunn run, and then there's this run. 
And then and, before, and then not too long before that was when Bendis did it. Right. So it's a. It seems like it's a character. I think it might just be people always. People must have like everybody has their one Moon Knight story that they want to do. Well, so people always want to do it. It used to be, you know, everyone would always say, uh, you know, Marvel editors would always say, everyone's got their Doctor Strange pitch, right? And now that Doctor Strange is a movie star and he was being tracked to have the film even before Aaron, Jason Aaron took it over the book, and that's more or less Jason Aaron's book right now, I think everyone who had a Doctor Strange pitch now has a Moon Knight pitch. But I think if that makes but, any sense. I agree, but I I do I I agree. I think that's that's easily one of the the best reads, especially you know at for a Marvel and DC book. Absolutely. Um, you know, d- uh, I really enjoyed Detective Comics. I talked about that before. Um, but to pare it down to just like one or two, I would probably say The Fix is my you know definitive book of the year. It's, you know, Superior Foes of Spider-Man was one of my favorite books of the last five or ten years. And I think a lot of it is, be, you know, I, I thought my original enjoyment on it was because it was all these low-end Spider-Man villains who I love to death. You know, Spider-Man's my guy. The the lamer and more obscure the villain, the better for me. And you get all them in here, and they're just deplorable characters. They're just rotten to the core. And then you take that formula, you put it into the fix, and, like, even on this week's show, like, Todd and I were like, well, you know, this guy feels like how Boomerang was, and this guy feels how, like, Shocker was. You know, I always go back to that, and because it's Nick Spencer, because it's uh, Steve Lieber, it's very easy to compare it to that, but it's very similar, because it's a pattern that they have to tell these stories, but the fix is just such a more hyper-realized version of what they were doing in Superior Foes of Spider-Man. So I think that is my favorite book of 2016. That's sort of how, I mean, much like the fix is, is them again, it's sort of like how, you know, Nick Spencer sort of did the same thing with, you know, with Ant-Man, where it was not quite Superior Foes, but it was definitely, you know, a, a cousin. Right, because you had your you know, your weird heroes in there. And there was that, those two weird fill-in issues that weren't by Spencer and Libra on Superior Foes that were like, a, it was like a Grizzly story. Right. And then the Grizzlies in this, and that's how Marvel was attempting to tie the two books together, as you mentioned, as like spiritual cousins. And I'm like, those issues weren't by Nick Spencer. They don't count. Yeah, for me, and I'm sure I'll probably say this on, on each of the segments that we do, for me, it has to be the vision that I think that was such an amazing an amazing book for it's like the premise i mean one is well one it's a book starring the vision so you're like where can this really go Mm -hmm. and they went in such unexpected direction and it's i think before i've said it's like i mean it reminded me of twin peaks you know it's that sort of dark suburban thing and you never knew where that book was going it's I mean, it's not quite as drastic a saga, but every issue there was something that made you go, what the heck? It's like whether it's a character dies or a character shows up that you don't expect or something weird happens and you're like, there's just a punch to the gut every issue. And it's like, you know, there's an issue when like they introduce a dog and you're like, 
nothing good is going to come about from the introduction of this dog. And then, you know, what happened to the dog, and then what happened to the dog later, and and the book was, like, steeped in, like, old-school Marvel. I mean, we've said this already, but it's like, you know, the more a book deep dives into continuity where it's not just in there for continuity's sake, but, you know, the Vision has so many ties I mean, between the Avenger stuff, and then you add in Scarlet Witch, and then you add in Wonder Man, and the Grim Reaper, and then you have Ultron, then you have the things that spin out from Ultron, and, you know, he made it, you know, King made it all work, and the art was, was great, it, like, wasn't, it wasn't really sort of avant-garde but it wasn't necessarily strictly superhero-y and you know it was using a grid you know using various grids which again i think you know you get the vision and you know you've got this weird coldness and all this stuff and i think it all worked and it's like i don't know if it was it feels like it was designed to be 12 issues and i don't know if it would have kept going if Tom King hadn't signed the DC exclusive. But, you know, I'm almost happy that we have it as a discrete unit, and it'll be one book, and it'll be an evergreen, and people will always recommend it. That's a good point. And, and yes, Vision was a book, a good book. And just like you said, for me, it was a book that fell under my radar because I'm just like, oh, it's a Vision book, and it's a writer I'm not 100% familiar with, and it sounds like a weird premise. And, you know, I, I mentioned it before, I think, where they gave you it for free with an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. And if they had not given it away with that issue of Amazing Spider-Man and I read it for free, I would have never picked that book up and I would have been missing out on one of the best books of the year. Um, another book that we may talk about uh, on one of the other segments, which I don't think you read, is Jonathan Hickman's Black Monday Murders, which it's... If you read Pickman's like pre-Marvel stuff, it's more in that line. But he uses, but there's a lot of stuff that thematically he was sort of using in some of his Marvel books. It's it's very it's it's a weird conspiracy book that that involves Wall Street, but also these weird sort of superhero demony can't not really sure they. Sp- you know, they have their own weird language, and, you know, there's pictograms, because of course there are, because Hickman's doing it, and I don't think I would necessarily, it's it's great, but I don't think it's for everybody. But, I mean, I think, it's funny, a lot of the people that either left Marvel to go back to the indies, or are still at Marvel and doing indies, it's been like a great year for them, too. It's like, you know, not everything's new, but you had, you know, you had Jason Aaron doing The Goddamned and Southern Bastards. You had this book by Hickman. You have, you know, Brubaker doing his crime stuff and Velvet, which is a book I would hardly recommend for, like, spy stuff with great art by Steve Epting. And I guess, and, uh, and then there's all the Archie books. It's like whether it's Mark Wade's Archie book or... The horror Archie books, which are great. It's it's so funny now that, you know, I have friends who are, like, in their 30s and 40s, it's like, who love these Archie books now. And, you know, there are people who have, like, would never, ever admit to reading an Archie book. 
Yeah, I, I, I never would have picked up a Archie book in my life, and here I am, and there are some of the best books being put out, you know? So that's definitely stuff for, for people to check out. Like I said, when you listen to all the segments of the show this week, there's going to be more than enough uh, for people to check out when they go to the comic store or get stuff online. Briefly, before we go, let's talk about the year in Marvel Puzzle Quest. Yeah! There are so many characters now. And <laughs> it's like, we just, you know, as we record, uh, we just got two, a three-star Thanos and a five-star Thanos, which I think some of us were surprised at because we figured he wouldn't show up in the game until closer to he shows when he shows up in the movie. But there he is. Been, there's been a lot of sort of tinkering of late with the game and introducing more stuff. And how do you think overall the game is right now? Um, I think the game is really good. It takes up a lot of my time. Uh, it takes up, you know, almost as much, if not more, you know, some days. Uh, than reading comic books because it's a little bit easier for me to read a comic book while I'm... It's a little bit easier for me to mess around on my phone and play, you know, essentially a mindless match-three game than it is to really dive into a comic book. So a lot of times that gets taken care of a little bit more uh, than the comic books, and comic books get neglected, sadly. Either way, um, I'm all for changes. I don't like change, but it seems as though they're definitely trying. They're trying to fix whatever is going on. They're trying to add new things. And if something doesn't work, they do eventually get it fixed. And again, I say eventually. Um, you know, when you're out of the office for two weeks, it's tough to fix things, you know? Uh, I definitely... I'm, I'm enjoying playing the game. And them introducing characters, this is just the way it is. If there's any part of the game that I, I complain about, um, I would just have to stop playing. Because then I'm, I shouldn't be complaining about something that I play so much. So I always try to look on the positive side of things and, you know, make my experience in playing the game as enjoyable as possible. And, you know, I say introduce all the new characters because eventually they're going to run out and they're going to have to put all those third and fourth rate Spider-Man villains in the game. I will say they put out another survey request the other day. I dutifully once again said Pace Pot Pete, even though I know there's .001% chance of that ever happening. Especially when, when they don't, especially with the Fantastic Four being in limbo. But I will say that the thing that I like right now is I like how they're becoming more and more creative with how powers are used. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it used to be pretty straightforward you know, for the first year or so of the game with, like, little variations on people. But now, some of the ones they're coming up with are, like, really inventive and certainly add wrinkles, I think, to the way that we're all used to playing. It's like, you know, Thanos apparently has this power that I don't have yet, but apparently, like, <laughs> prevents the other team from using their powers. You know, I haven't, I haven't had that, you know, and, like, today's Crash of the Titans was Kate Bishop versus Old Man Logan... And, you know, Bishop has the power that your opponent can't heal themselves. And it's like, that's the key to why Old Man Logan is the best character in the game. Mm -hmm. 
So I admit, although you know my my Kate Bishop was too low to actually really play against him today, but I know some of you had success. Right, and see that's the you know, and obviously we we've discussed this before. We have like a little side group where we discuss the game, and I think a lot of the folks in the group are kind of of a sky is falling sort of mentality, only because how easily some people were able to get uh, Thanos up and then play in PvP as this maxed out Thanos with a maxed out Old Man Logan. So in playing the most recent PvP event that ended, which was Rocket and Groot, I came across zero Thanoses. And even when I go into the simulator, the very far and few between Thanoses that I come across are woefully undercovered. Now, the power that they're talking about is he puts a purple tile out, and it's not that you can't use your powers, but if you have a power that makes tiles, you can't make tiles anymore. Like, if you are somebody who produces strike tiles, you just can't produce strike tiles. If you're a person that alters existing tiles... You just can't use that power while that little countdown tile is on on the board. And in my mind, I'm just like, well, just match that tile away. And that's it. And if it's a three-turn countdown tile, it's like, okay, well, I just have to change my strategy. Like uh, when I play against uh, Doctor Strange, the new Doctor Strange that they added, whether it's a two, the three-star or the five-star, he has that power that if you fire off one of your powers, he automatically retaliates against your entire team and then back heals his team. Okay, I just take him out first, and I don't use any of my powers until he's gone. Problem solved. And I've never had a problem with Doctor Strange. Five star or three star. That's Every sort character of, has a way to get around them. That's sort of how, even now, like, if I see Kamala Khan, mm-hmm. that's the first character I take out. Right. Like, she, if she's paired up with an old man Logan and an Iron Man 40, Kamala Khan goes first. Because she's going to start healing everybody. Yeah, it's funny. There was a combination that on paper that I think this was in PvP, so it was pretty close to like evenly matched level wise, but it was this weird combination that did not look that bad, and I ended up losing because either I, my tiles didn't go the right way, or that person had smartly figured out, you know, that it was you know like Kamala Khan and Professor X and somebody else and. You know, it was just the combination because, like, it may have been, it may have been I am forty two, but you know, like, it's, it was the way they were doing things that this rarely happens. It's like while you're playing, it's like I can see what they're doing, but I'm now so far behind the boulder, I'm not going to be able to win this. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't happen very often, but I was just like, because I think they had like already killed my like lowest like hit pointed character, and I'm like, what? And I mean, admittedly, I was also sort of absentmindedly playing, and that you know, so that may have been part. But I was just like, "What the heck just happened to me?" <laughs> that happens to me a lot of times in a lightning round. If I decide to give it that last push, like if I get a whole bunch of jobber nodes, and I'm the one win away from hitting 250 points, and then I have to take on like an actual team, I'm so in the mindset of mindlessly just like, "Okay, I'm gonna do this 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 match four. And do something else while the cascades fall. I'll come back and the round will be over. I'll do that on one of those actual opponents on that 250 point thing to finally get over the top on a lightning round. And I'll do my match four and I'll look away and I come back and I'm like, oh, they knocked out my Professor X. What happened? And it just happens that quick sometimes. But I will say, I love, I love, I mean, I only have like two covers, I think, for, for five-star Doctor Strange. But 
Doc, three star Doctor Strange now using in jobber matches against goons or or uh, you know Hammer is just great because like every time they put out one of their countdown tiles, it's like boom, and you know right. even on like the fourth time through, you know like the 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 PVE that's going on right now, like the highest the highest ma- the highest like round in that map is three hammer people. And I think they get to, you know, like eventually they're like level 300 and something. So they have like 10,000, 12,000 hit points each or something like that. Yeah. But like, but like using like three star strange is just like, especially using super powered iron or uh, Hulkbuster right now. It's like, I can like wipe them out in five turns. Yep. Because he's doing like, I think for me now he's doing like 1200 points of damage each time he fires off the the yellow tot, the yellow power and you know hulk my hulkbuster right now is doing like 13000 points of damage every time he does the repulsor fist yep so it's just like boom 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 it's like the only problem is I'm going to get used to this hulkbuster being jacked up and then next week I'm going to be like oh he's back to only only like 6,000 points of damage per turn. Right. I mean, like, at the minimum. For me, with the next set of uh, souped-up characters, excuse me, both X-Force Wolverine and X-Force Deadpool are part of that, and that's such an, you know, such an easy one to do as well with, you know, you throw out your countdown to nothings, you use either Surgical Strike or you use uh, X-Force, the green power for X-Force Wolverine, and you throw out those countdown tiles, they're souped up. You do the X-Force, that does a ton of damage. You can wipe out, like, not even, like, a jobber team, like, a legitimate team. Like, you can take out two of their guys with, you know, essentially, you know, the 8 AP for the green power, the 6 AP for countdown to nothing, and that just took out two of the guys on the team. It, I, just know, I just know this week has been great because I have, like, my Hulkbuster and my Nick Fury are both champion now, so... I think in this in this PvP, I think like they're both like like level 370, something insane like that. And it's like I never really I haven't really used Fury a lot until I until I finally got championed. But like this week, his his purple power or his pink power, if you prefer, do does I think like eight for me does like eight thousand right. when when he gets that off. So I'm like between this and my, my thirteen thousand uh, hit repulsor, I'm like this this should be because now I blew through. Like the the PVE, like the two day PVE that we have right now. Yeah, I was like, I just like marched through it, and I was like, really? Because I, I I didn't think I was done. I was like, oh, there has to be more. And I'm like, no, that's it. I'm like, great. I'm like, let me go to PVP. Right, and what and on one of these ones where the 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 buttons to do the battles are kind of spread out and they're not in like a definitive order. Like the Hulk one, just for example. Like the Hulk one is a zigzag down the middle of the row, and then two on the left, one on the right. Perfect. But like this one is like all scattershot, and then it'll open up one that you can only play one time, and then that opens up the final node that's over here. And I'm just like, did I get them all? Did I get them all? I'm like, that was too quick. That was too easy. I couldn't have gotten them all. And I'm like, yep, got them all. Move on to something else. Joe, thanks again. Mark, again, thank you very much for having me on the show. And we will... Be back shortly with the next segment of this show. I like Father Christmas, and I like Robin Hood. Hood. I like Andy Pandy, 
and the wooden chucks are very good, but I love Batman, 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 and Robin the Wonder Boy. Welcome back to the Winter Palace. Uh, we continue our look at the year in comics with magazine contributor Matt. How's it going, Matt? Happy holidays, which is what uh, I'm going to say, because I'm half Jewish, half Catholic, whatever. So uh, I am nothing, so oh, yeah. happy happy winter solstice. In the first part of the, the show we did with Joe, we talked a lot about DC Rebirth. Uh, is there anything you want to quickly talk about that before we move on to other things? No, um, we'll talk a little more about Tom King in a minute, I think. But you know, his loss is, uh, or Marvel's loss is DC's gain when it comes to him on the Batman book, I think. Yeah, um, I know that you read most of, if not all, of the Marvel line. So we just finished Civil War two this mm-hmm. week. So uh, how, on the whole, how would you say Marvel's year has gone? I think Marvel's year has gone. Pretty well, actually. There's a lot of good titles. Unfortunately, Civil War II was not one of them. Um, it started out exceptionally poor with some Millar-esque um, stretching of character, uh, you know, in order to make the plot work. And then it just didn't get better as it went along. There were a couple of good tie-ins there. I thought some of the stuff centered around Miles Morales, you know, also by Bendis for the most part was pretty good because he has a knack of um, putting characters in situations that you as a fan would want to see them in, but that, you know, in decades past, artists and authors probably wouldn't have in them trying to find Miles after the um, whole reveal in that when he went in hiding was pretty good. Um, I think that... I think it was the gauges on the Captain Marvel tie-in with some Alpha Flight stuff was pretty good too, and it was the only positive portrayal of the character in the whole thing. I but know. General, I'll just say I know a, a lot of people. A lot of people have been put off by how Carol was written in Civil War, and and yeah, I think about the only bright spot for her the whole time was was when the gauges wrote that arc. In Captain Marvel, and admittedly, it may be because I'm a old school Alpha Flight fanboy, so I was happy to see them. Sort, of, I mean, they have not been treated well over the years at Marvel, so I was happy to see that, and it was nice to see the the, the Master return. Now that uh, now that I have an appreciation for the Master with that name and why he looked the way he did when John Byrne did him in the '80s, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that actually kind of segues us into the fact that the Alpha Flight stuff works really well. Um, the fact that you know she has that satellite out there, she's sort of doing the sword stuff with Brand, which brings us to the Al Ewing books, um, New Avengers, Ultimates, Contest of Champions, whatever else he's on. He's carving out a little niche of the universe there, which is a sort of high concept fun sci-fi delving into continuity you know he brought night thrasher back to life he did uh he was using the outlaw in contest of champions which is sort of the uk punisher um a lot of obscure stuff a lot of the cosmic stuff that he's doing in ultimates right now which i think actually redeems the name um that instead of making it 
super realistic and uh, gritty and sensationalist like Millar did. Um, you know, he's making it incredibly high concept and sci-fi and into that next level of what a Marvel comic can be. So, you know, maybe the execution doesn't always hit perfectly, um, but it's always fun. You know, New Avengers especially with Sunspot and all, you know, that the almost um, – it's almost get smart level of spyness, uh, espionage. So all that was a lot of fun this year too. Yeah, it seems like there were a lot of – certainly good – There's a, there was a lot of good stuff, even going back to – the beginning of the year when you had things that were sort of left over from Secret War, you know, some of the books that ended, that spun out of Secret Wars and ended the beginning half of the year. Um, looking back at some of the old pods today, I noticed, I, had, I hadn't really forgotten, but it hasn't really been talked about in a while, but I really liked Josh Williamson's Illuminati book, mm-hmm. which, you know, sort of felt like, sort of like old school Thunderbolts. In a way, except these were really bad guys behaving badly. You know, it had one of my favorite gags when the, I don't remember his name, but when the the evil Ant-Man, you know, exploded inside a guy, which I just thought was over the top. But in the the context of that book, I thought thought worked really well. And some of the other stuff that spun out of Secret Wars, I thought was good. Yeah, we lost some good books early in the year. Um, I liked we- Weird World a lot, and I also liked Angela, which I thought was one of the most sort of daring high-concept books that they were doing. Um, a lot about false narrators and storytelling, uh, and that you know didn't survive either. Yeah, there have been a couple. I don't. I don't know if their trigger fi- their trigger finger is quick as quick as it used to be, but it does seem like there were some things that. I'm sure the sales dictated ending early, but uh, I mean, well, Mockingbird had had other issues, but I don't think those were related to why it was canceled. But you know, I did not. The first arc I thought was okay. I thought the cruise ship arc was really, really great and had a lot of sort of old school winking for people, you know. And then that was gone. That the Howling Commandos book. You know, didn't last very long. I mm-hmm. thought that was that was clever, but uh, you know, I guess when you're Marvel and DC and you pu- you have such a volume, you know, that it's easy just to you know give something six issues or eight issues and then be done with it. It's, sometimes it's there to you know generate a trade if they want it for a movie tie-in or to keep the trademark for however longer, you know. But I think they do throw a lot of stuff at the wall, and, and you know, some things hit, some things don't. I know the direct market is a cruel beast right now with the low thresholds. Um, with Mockingbird, I really need to give that first arc a reread because I know it was sort of like a puzzle box where you know, you could come at it different ways and get a different telling of what was going on. I agree with you on the second arc. That was a lot of fun. It actually inspired me to go out and uh, from the library and get my wife all of Chelsea Kane's books, and she's been enjoying them. So I knew those were going to be down her alley. Um it, you know, for the stuff that hits, I think one of the big stories of the year, sort of spinning off a of Mockingbird, is how many female-led titles Marvel has right now that are really good. Um, I mean, I could just shoot a list right now. I'm, I'm not a Squirrel Girl fan. I know that's the big hot comic. Um, I, I just can't even read it. I can't get through it because it's just dense and it's my alley. Yeah. 
Yeah, we talked about that in the uh, in the section with Joe about sort of Marvel's humor stuff that you know Squirrel Girl. I sort of lost interest in. I really liked Hellcat for a while, but I kind of soured on that. I mean, I'm still in the Hellcat train. I think it's good. I think Howard was the best book out of the bunch, though. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I, I sort of tried that, and it was just like, wasn't a lot of the stuff. You know, I'm like, I'm glad it's that standard. I'm glad it's being published for the people who like it, and I can tell, I can appreciate the craft, but just decide that it's not for me. And so, yeah, I mean, like Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur was like that. I. It, yeah, I'm you know, glad it exists too. I think it's a pretty good book, and I enjoy it. But a little goes a long way with it at the same time, you know. You know, of the of like of that sort of subgenre, I think, you know, Ms. Marvel may be the mm-hmm. only one that I'm still reading. It's like I flipped through She-Hulk in the store yesterday, and that didn't seem to grab me. So I may need to give that another look. You now the the Iron the Iron Man book with. Uh, the new with Riri, I just didn't really interest me from the beginning, so I haven't really looked at that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, and I, you're probably not your thing in the least, but I like Gwenpool a lot. It took me by surprise. It was, um, I was expecting basically Spider Gwen, but Deadpool. But the the gimmick of that, I'm not even sure how much of it you've read, is that it's a character that through Secret Wars was thrust into the Marvel Universe from our universe, you know, an Earth Prime sort of thing, but she knows that she's in a comic and she understands the rules of comics. So, for instance, in the most recent issue, she made sure to ask a police officer what her name was so that she would then become a supporting character and not just a you know nameless bystander and there was more of a chance that she'd show up back in the book. Yeah, it, it plays with itself like that. See, I, I think in theory... The meta is is totally up my alley, but just for whatever reason, it just I just wasn't interested. And I just think the trappings aren't your your cup of tea. It's the kind of thing. I mean, you know, I was one of the world's biggest ambush bug fans, so it's mm-hmm. not like you know that almost whole cloth gimmick isn't tailor made for me. But yeah, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, I'll be curious to see how the America Chavez book mm-hmm. is, because that's something I'm looking forward to when that starts reasonably soon. So, uh, I'm not reading it, but how is the Doom book? You know, it's only a couple of issues in. It's very Bendisy in its pacing, um, in that there's not a lot of substance yet. But watching him interact with everyone is a lot of fun. You know, he's just very off-puttish, and he doesn't quite understand the the reactions that he causes from people and what him doing something heroic you know the consequences of that or him even doing something nice the consequences of that so in that regard it's fun to watch him sort of stumble around the Marvel universe but it's still too early to say we talked well in the the other part uh, I guess I would say probably my two favorite Marvel books of the year which uh, you can chime in on if you want our vision, which of course I've been talking about all year, mm-hmm. and also Jeff Lemire's Moon Knight. Those are two of my favorite as well. We already talked a little bit about Howard. I would have put that up high. Um, I'd put actually Carnage up there too because it's this great horror book, which you would never have expected. And I think the fact that I come in with such low expectations would be high on that. 
Um, and I would give uh, – before we double back to Vision and Moon Knight, I would give credit for straight-up superheroine books to both Silk and All New Wolverine, which I think All New Wolverine is pretty much the only good X title. Uh, yeah, that's – that's one that I really liked. I mean, I I sort of went through the first couple issues, which to me kind of felt like I was reading an episode of Orphan Black, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that was intentional. But the uh, but ever since the the Fing Fan Foom arc, mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Um, so I, I've sort of been on board with that the rest of the way. The other one that I think we mentioned before that we didn't mention yet is sort of all of the Jason Aaron books. I think it sort of goes, mm-hmm. we may take Jason Aaron for granted. Like most mm-hmm. of his books are good, but you know, both Thor books, both like Thor and Jane Foster yep. are great. And Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange, which is it, so out there and weird, but in a great way. Well, it's the kind of thing that, you know, it's almost like, it's Bacallo, you know, sort of going back to his roots and drawing the kind of weird stuff that, you know, he used to be known for. And so, you know, his art fits that book to a T. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would give some credit to the Steve Rogers book, if only because it feels important and not everything today can pull that off. Um, every issue feels important. There's definitely a real sense of – I'm not going to say dread, but there's a sense of – progression that this is moving towards something and it's moving towards something that feels big in a day and age where it's so hard to make anything feel big because we've seen it all so i kind of i think from i think from the initial gimmick you know i sort of that sort of put a bad taste in my mouth not that and i sort of i'm not surprised you know how it ended up happening but i think both like the cap and the sam wilson book just haven't like, I like a lot of the – I mean, we're saying this a lot, but I like how they've integrated a lot of obscure continuity into those books. You know, like the Americops and D-Man and bringing back U.S. Agent and not making it – I think it would be easy to make in, – in our current climate, it would be easy to make U.S. Agent into what you would expect them to be, and I'm glad mm-hmm. they haven't really done that. No, it was nuanced. So – I mean, although was I mean, I this... think it shows that we've come a long way in ten years from what was happening, you know, with Civil War One in that era. Yeah, and I think Where... was it was it this week's Sam Wilson book that had that was like the Misty Knight spotlight issue. Yeah, that was last week. I think it was a shadow pilot for you know Misty being the main character. I think. Yeah, I I I flipped through that and I liked it because it was just. It was sort of a break from the kind of stuff that book had been doing, which, you know, and it seems like, you know, I don't know if, like, that kind of stuff is going to continue with the Hawkeye Occupy book. That That's going to be sort of a lot of, you know, trying to examine social issues in Marvel books, but not sort of like the obvious way. And I guess, you know, it's also entirely possible that a lot of stories people may have been planning for next year may need to be tweaked given sort of the real life things that happened that people weren't necessarily expecting. Yeah, I mean, Irv Perlmuller met with uh, Trump today apparently, so who knows? But I know it was just fun. I mean, it was funny just sort of looking at like that last issue of Cap, or the last issue of Civil Marvel. War with, oh, with, Civil with War, right. yeah, with Captain Marvel meeting with, I assume the president. 
Yep. You know, just wondering. So next year, you know, how how's that going to be in Marvel? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you know, DC has the advantage of always having fictional politicians. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although they they've already had Lex Luthor's president, so yeah. All right, so let's double back to Moon Knight and Vision. Um, Moon Knight, I think, has been a great mood book. It's been paced very well. It keeps you guessing. Again, it goes back to that unreliable narrator because his gimmick is that he's trapped within his own madness. He's trapped within an insane asylum, and it keeps jumping back to various points of the character, you know, of his mythology and you wonder who's actually pulling the strings um yeah I my, think it's lost its way a little bit but it that's it works with the gimmick cuz you know mark loses his way too like i said crazy book for a crazy character yeah that's exactly. sort of my my one and one of the things that we were talking about before is that it's funny for, i mean moon knight i don't know would you say moon level moon knight's sea level or maybe sea level sounds right but but he's been given so many chances in the last five years. I mean, like, you know, Bendis had a book. Then there was, like, the Warren Ellis slash Colin Bunn slash uh, Brian Wood version. And now we've got an – it's funny that this is, the like, the guy they keep – I said, you know, I, I think it seems like everybody has a Moon Knight story mm-hmm. that they want I to think- do. That's half it. I think the other half is that he's a character which is street level. You can tell stories on screen with him relatively easily, and they own the rights to the character. So they milk him for stories, and they keep trying to push him into something that would make a good TV show. And I actually think that this is it. I I think that this could be a Netflix show, no question asked. You started – in the asylum and the audience that's not familiar with the character is as lost as he is trying to figure out what's going on and it delves out from there and I think it would be a huge hit actually it's funny how sort of much that character how that character's evolved you know from just being like their Batman you know to I mean I'd argue that their Batman right now is Black Panther true but I remember at the you know like you know in the 70s when he started it was you know Millionaire, playboy, blah, 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 blah. Except, you know, then you, you still even had the multiple personality stuff back then. But, of course, then again, Marvel's had so many pseudo-Batmans. Yeah, you Shroud. Know, Shroud, well, Black Panther, Shroud, Nighthawk, Nighthawk yep. Moon Knight. I mean, you know, it's obviously, you know, you want to try, you know, if you can get, you know, 1% of, of Batman's, you know, rub, you want, you want to get it. But, yeah, I just... I mean, that book is so great, and like you said, unreliable narrator, like, that it's had, like, wildly different artists doing different versions of the personality, and then just how crazy it's been. I would say, yeah, it's definitely been one of the Marvel books I look forward to the most. And now that, now that my number one is no longer here, you know, that might be my Marvel number one. Yeah. So you know what's funny? Oh, before, before we get to it, you know, it's funny that, you know, we've talked for, for 15 minutes about Marvel and we have not we have not mentioned the elephant in the room, which is the Inhumans. You know, the Crystal book has been pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to I forget which one that is. I think it's all new. She goes around the world. She helps people. Um, 
it's fine mid-level disposable superhero book it's harmless um i thought the black bolt stuff in secret wars with the the quiet room where he was sort of running a lounge i love that stuff and they've tried to use it in the main continuity it just hasn't worked nearly as well and um all that said i think that one thing in civil war that made me the most excited was the idea of seeing kill raven teaming up with medusa I don't know. I, it's pretty obvious that they're going to be going off into space and they're going to bump into Martians and Kill Raven will be there. And I don't know who the creative team on that's going to be, but it, it should be fun. My only thought was, was this like a leftover thing that Alan Davis had done at some point when he did Kill Raven in the past and it just happened to have Medusa in it? And they're like, hey, we can use this. <laughs> it just felt like that, like... That bunch of pages, I guess because it's all stuff that's coming up, but it seemed like it was – it also felt like filler. And knowing you know, knowing this book was late and it was an extra issue and supposedly, you know, Bendis' better ending, you know, which – it's like if this I was – went to an event without an ending. Civil War didn't have an ending when they came up with it either. It just uh... – but it's like if this was the better ending, what was what was the one – was the other ending when either Carol or – Jan killed actually killed Tony. Like, was that the the better Who ending? Who knows? I don't even want to go too deep into that because it. I don't know. I, I, this it, it was not worth the wait, and the wait actually hurt it because if this had come out before Monsters Unleashed or whatever was solicited, then to see that two page spread with all the monsters and whatever else, that would have actually been really intriguing. Um, now we know it's just going to be a goofy kind of throwaway event that they do just to fill the first half of the year. Do you want to pile on the superlatives about Division that we haven't already said? I'm not going to go too deep because I'm sure you guys have gone very far, but it was a comic which you knew was special from the first issue you read, um, that it was something different, that it was trying to do something that you, you didn't expect. It always it, The way I explain it is that it felt almost like a Wes Anderson movie, but darker, obviously, um, but just that the, the narration was like that. Uh, that's what I likened it to. It was obvious that King brought in so much of his own real life, whether it be about raising kids or just living in the DMV. And, you know, ultimately, you knew the tragedy was coming. You didn't know in what form it was going to be. And Vision is such a hugely sympathetic character ever since, you know, that they ran the cover where he cries you go that back that far you probably go back even further and him sort of being the rock as wanda falls apart um it's funny because when i started reading comics he was the white vision so that's what i was introduced to which is a cool enough visual i guess but um it took me a long time to go back and actually find the heart of the character because it wasn't present at that point i don't see why other than spite going back to John Byrne, why that might be a good idea of get, taking a character who's wholly three-dimensional and then turning him into something far less than that. But um, no, I'm really interested to see where they go next. I know that it's not going to be King, but they I think Wade knows what he has when it comes to Viv. Um, and also Vision, because he has Vision in the Avengers book, too. You know, Wade's no fool. He knows what he has there, and I think that he's going to do some interesting things with it. But obviously, I wish that there would have been a season two with King instead. I think uh, I think I said this before, but 
you know, this is another book. You know, I've sort of been harping on the way that Marvel's been reintegrating continuity. But, like, this book was so thick full of it. And not just, like, the, you know, bringing back the Grim Reaper. You know, it's like, it's one thing to use Wanda and Agatha Harkness. But, you know, to bring back the Grim Reaper, you know, to bring in to bring in Victor. Mm-hmm. To even, you know, bring in uh, Tommy and Billy. It's, it's you know, there's all this stuff that you... It seemed like he was, you know, using stuff that it seemed like had been taboo for a while. Yeah. That that he was, although I guess ever since, I guess probably ever since Children's Crusade, I guess, like the sort of are they or aren't they, I guess, wasn't really a, a mystery anymore. Mm-hmm. So, but there's strings that if you pull on, the whole thing can unravel. But that was sort of the point of the book was unraveling everything. Was there anything sort of outside the big two this year that really? floated your boat i'll mention one thing and i think it was dc published um and just one because i know we're running a little bit on time here and that was paul dini's dark knight ogn um have you read that yeah i read it yeah that was everything you'd expect it to be you know i actually suggested it to a good friend of mine who had been a victim of a mugging um a few years ago who had similar experiences and you know he was pretty moved by it as well um just how much of himself that he put into that and you know I've read comics written by Dini obviously I've encountered him in animated series in various ways but you know I've read various runs he's had over the years and this was so much more because it was um it was him you know it was his own experience it was his way of coping with it uh his way of using a language that we are very familiar with to tell a very different sort of story so you, i thought it it was powerful do you know what it reminded me of sort of thematically is not the right word but it reminded me of of steve siegel's superman book yeah absolutely um and the tone is obviously very different just to a degree um, but, but i mean but it's like a, an ogn that is using you know, it's not only using like sort of the characters as metaphor to talk about an issue, but it also involves them as people and how they relate to what they. Do. You know, what would you say overall would be your your book of the year if you had to pick one? I would like to pick something other than Vision to be different and contrary, but I don't think I can. Uh, he accomplished quite a bit with that. I'm going to go with Vision. I, but my number two would be Howard because I think that even though it didn't hit for you, I thought it was the best of the humor books, and it was basically Marvel's year of humor books. Um, I, I think that he told stories that that really poked at what Howard was in a way that no one's managed since Gerber died, um, well, and that that to me is impressive in and of itself. Was this was this all? Chip Zdarsky, or was it Chip and somebody else? Because I, you know, I, I thought he left at some point. He was a writer the whole way, and he's okay. actually just started on Star-Lord, and I'm looking forward to it because uh, I, I think that him moving up to a slightly more high-profile character, but still one that's zany and offbeat, he should be able to do some good stuff with it. Cool. Uh, before we go, we'll just briefly touch on this. Um, there was actually a lost pod this year that I don't know if we ever talked mm-hmm. about on the show, but uh, you and I went to a local went to see NXT when they came to the quote unquote Baltimore area. Um, so that the promotion has certainly evolved from sort of even what it was a year ago. 
Um, now that sort of a lot of their stars have graduated to the main roster, how do you think the show is is now? I mean, they still have Joe and Nakamura and some of the, you know, and Asuka. But how do you think it generally is now compared to maybe the beginning of the year or maybe, you know, around WrestleMania when a lot of the guys left? Well, it's, in some ways, it's tricky. They have such a big roster, and various people were hurt or not. Like, I would have rather had the card that the Australians got, where they had Revival, where they had a few other people, where they had maybe Almas, who we didn't get. Um, that said, it was still a really enjoyable show. At times, you could tell that it was very developmental, far more so than maybe six months ago or a year ago, um, especially with the women. But um, it was a lot of fun still that and i think the tv has been pretty good because it's an hour show it's focused um they are building people back up in a way that's positive yeah i I think it's it's not the same but they are in the part of their genesis where in a few more months it could be back up to that point again then they'll bring people up again probably in april may and then we'll be right back to where we were so you are still writing at segunda caida have you guys I, have you guys done any match of the year stuff yet? Yeah, they do. Um, you know, that's usually Phil and Eric that do the match of the year more than I do, just because uh, they see more things than I do. But right now, they have sitting at their number one, um, Black Terry versus Wotan from Chilanga Mask, which is definitely a good match to have up there. They've got uh, Tim Thatcher versus Matt Riddle. Evolve at two and Terry versus Cavanario at three, and then Trauma one versus Candice Lupus, which might be my number one. It, they have it four, so there you go. Yeah, we had just I think I think it was either today or yesterday. I started I was canvassing people's opinion about what they thought the CMLL match of the year was because I haven't I've sort of been trying to do all my comic stuff first before I started getting to my lucha stuff, and it's funny that in it you know. Even though it's only a year, like I had forgotten there were still Dragon League Kamatachi matches that bled over into the beginning of the year. And I was like, oh, that's right. I know there's that. There's the Dragon League Kavanaria match. There's the Kavanaria versus Ray Kometa match. There's, you know, 900 things that Negrakasis has done. Uh, I know you wouldn't agree, but I'm sure there's some Volador Jr. stuff that would, that would be up there. Yeah, that's probably a pod coming in some reasonably soon is when we try and figure out the Lucha Year stuff. Mm-hmm. But for now, so people can read your stuff there, and if we maybe have a magazine this year, you'll have something in there. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for your time, Matt. All right, thank you. Happy New Year. Uh, you too, and we will be back with the last part of our year in review after this. I don't like the Joker and that penguin I would chase. And as for that naughty Riddler, ooh, I'd smack him in the face. Welcome back to the Winter Palace. In our last segment to look at the year in comics for 2016, we are joined by the co-host of the House to Astonish podcast, Al Kennedy. How's it going, Al? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I am good. We've pretty much done a lot of the big two stuff already that people have already heard. So I figure we'll mainly try and talk about some of maybe the indie or maybe mm-hmm. either Image, Image Dark Horse, Oni, that kind of stuff. Um, I did want to 
I've noticed that in the first two sections there were books because there's so many good books right now, there's stuff that I keep meaning to talk about and I don't want to forget. Um, from the DC side, we mentioned Batman, and I know on your podcast you mentioned Detective, but yeah. I wanted to give a shout-out to the non-continuity Batman stuff, and that's the Batman 66 stuff that Jeff Parker and other people have been doing. Um, mm-hmm. Last year they did... Man from Uncle. They did Steed and Mrs. Peel, and right now they're doing digitally. I don't know if it's in print yet, but they're doing Batman '66 and Wonder Woman '77, and those have been yeah. those have been a hoot so far. I think the the Wonder Woman '77 one has been solicited for print. It's not out yet, obviously, but um, but yeah, I think it's coming in the sort of first quarter of next year. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Batman 66 stuff is always tremendous fun. I think with these minis, these team-up minis, a lot of it kind of depends, your enjoyment depends on how much you know and are a fan of the other property that they're teaming up with. So, like, I was never really a Man From U.N.C.L.E. guy, but I, I do like the Avengers, like the, the you know, Steve and Mrs. Peel Avengers. So that's fun for me. Um, I still love your idea of uh, Batman and Dead Man teaming up with Randall and Hopkirk Deceased, which <laughs> a British show from the 1960s um, well, it's... about a, about a dead detective and his living partner. Yeah, it's funny that when I talked to Parker in the summer, he had teased there was one more coming, and he said it was the obvious one, mm-hmm. which which ended up he meant the Wonder Woman one that's out now, but I actually thought he meant batman and james bond because it was all because it's all 60s stuff and i'm like well who's the ultimate like 60s and i was like they can't really do bond can you know especially with you know there being a bond book out now but anyway that's who's who's got the bond license now somebody i I know that like is it ellis is writing james bond yeah i know ellis is writing one and diggle's writing one i don't think it's idw it's it's sort of like idw it's one you know it's It's a slightly odd. Is it? Is it? Land, I seem to remember. Is it like aftershock or shockwave or that one? Uh, that, I don't think it's aftershock because okay, they're okay. doing pretty much all their own stuff. It could be dynamite, maybe. But yeah, and, the, and those have been those have been. I haven't been reading them, but I I know they've been been well received. The one uh, indie book that I wanted to mention that I keep forgetting before we talk to what you guys talked about on the pod is I keep forgetting about Kaiju Max, uh, oh, and yeah. we had and we had Xander. Xander on the podcast and that book now is in between season two and season three mm. and season two was even more bonkers than season one if that was possible it's a marvelous um, comic really, but yeah so really if, brilliant yeah so if people want to go back and listen to our interview with Xander that's from earlier in the year and like I said that's in between seasons right now but I certainly would would recommend it you guys um, sort of touched on a lot of the books that everybody seems to be talking about. We've been raving all pod about Vision and the DC Bat books and some of the other things. But I know yeah, that Tom King in general, right? Yeah, yeah, and you don't forget Omega Man. Mm. But uh, I know that there are a couple any books that I know you always like talking up. Uh, one of which is Giant Days. Mm. Um, so if you want to talk about that and maybe some of the other ones that you guys had uh, in your awards on 
the new podcast that just came out today. Yeah, we released the the House of Astonish End of Year Awards podcast on the thirtieth, so I think technically as yesterday as we're recording. I mean, this as people can probably tell from my deeper than normal voice, I'm recording this extremely early in the morning. This is like eight a.m. for me. Well, see, earlier for you. See, as someone as someone who works overnight, my rule is it's not tomorrow until I go to bed. <laughs> and since I haven't gone to bed yet, it's still today. You're podcasting in the middle of the night like a sort of podcasting vigilante. You're, you're podcasting Batman. <laughs> Just out, out on podcast patrol in the dead of night, stopping podcast crimes. Um, yeah, so in terms of Giant Days is, is one that we picked out as being one of our favourites of the year. For people who don't know it, it is a, essentially a sitcom about um three girls at university and the, the the boys that are kind of peripheral to their their group and it is hilariously funny like it is they get themselves into every episode every issue is is a different um occurrence in their lives uh, you know the most recent one actually the most recent one was a christmas special that came out where they kind of did a christmas carol in in terms of like well in fact they did it's a wonderful life sorry where it was like if what would have happened if they'd never met on the first day of university and and you know spoilers it would have all gone to crap um but the the previous ones you had things like um their their flat gets robbed and someone steals their television and so they decide to take matters into their own hands and try and track down the people who've nicked their telly and uh, try and get it back from them themselves because they don't trust the police and you know this leads to them you know going undercover in a really rough pub and it's absolutely just hilarious stuff the characters are so kind of well delineated the plots are really terrific the gags are brilliant um and the cartooning is just fantastic it's uh somebody called max sarin um who is a very very talented um artist john allison is the the writer um and that is definitely one of my absolute favorite books coming out at the minute um in terms of stuff from this past year there were a few mini series that i really enjoyed one uh, called Another Castle, which was from Oni, which if anybody has got uh, kids aged, I would say 9 to 13 is absolutely brilliant series. Um, it's just a five-issue mini that came from Oni this year. It was written by Andrew Wheeler, um, who I should mention just for, you know, propriety's sake, is a, is a friend of mine, um, and drawn by uh, Paulina Ganeshaw. And The Trade, I think, is out in January or February. That's basically about a princess who's kidnapped by an evil kind of Skeletor-style bad guy to so that he can rule both kingdoms. And uh, this prince sets out to, to save her, and she realises that actually the prince is going to get himself killed. So it's kind of up to her to not only save herself, but to save him too. Um, and it's fab. It's, it's funny, it's charming, it's got great set pieces great action scenes it's got romance it's got great jokes in it it's got brilliant wonderful um character designs um the art is gorgeous the coloring is beautiful um and that's a fantastic series uh the other one for me from this past year that i just thought was wonderful was a mini series came that came out from image earlier this year called limbo and it's by uh, a writer called Dan Waters, 
and an artist called Casper Wingard. And that is essentially a kind of a cross between a 50s noir, um, you know, detectives and femme fatales kind of thing, and a kind of 1980s neon-swathed Cronenbergian VHS aesthetic. Um, it's it's a little surreal. It's uh, got great twists and turns. It's amazing that it's their debut book. You know, it is so assured and so confident and it absolutely hits every mark it's aiming for. And I think it is one that kind of went under a lot of people's radars this year. But again, the trade of that is out. And I would so recommend people go and check that out because that, that was probably my, my favourite mini-series of the year. And that's even counting the fact that there were things like, you know, Vision, which was spectacular, and Omega Men, which is the best thing I've read from DC in about 10 years. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely recommend going and checking out uh, Limbo. I think Comixology is running a bunch of sales at the moment. And I think they may have... I don't know when the the sales end, but I think they had like a 50% off everything on the images ever released sale, which it like literally everything that they have is image was 50% off. Um, Similarly, I know that uh, Boom, who published Giant Days, were doing uh, a really good sale. And you had the first three volumes of Giant Days were like, you know, four dollars each or something like that it was just bananas the the reductions that they were they were giving so i think definitely if people want to kind of swoop quickly on these things you may still be able to catch the end of your comiXology sales from the one thing i also wanted to mention before we go is um there are two things that actually ended this year that came to their natural end which is such a rare thing in comics and both of which i think you know finished strong and as a whole are one great read, and that's um, The Six Gun from Oni mm-hmm. and Chew from Image. Um, yeah. One was 50 issues, one was 60 issues, so they, you know, it took them a good few years to tell their story, but it was just amazing that it got all done. I don't believe either book ever had fill-ins. I believe it was Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt and John Lehman and Rob Guillory on every issue, I think. I think so. I think you're right. So, and yeah, Chu just, I mean, uh, Six Gun ended earlier in the year, but Chu came out maybe a month ago mm-hmm. with, you know, Chu, like Saga, is one of those books that seem to delight in having the what-the-heck cliffhanger <laughs> at the end of every issue. And Chu certainly ended, I think, in a way no one probably would have predicted. Yeah, I kind of thought, oh, they're not going there, are they? And then they went there. Um, and what, what they did, which I liked, was rather than have your big bang ending in the final issue, they did it in the penultimate issue, and then the last issue is an epilogue, and kind of gives you a chance to do your, you know, do your stretches and your your warming down. Um, it's like twelve trades or or ten trades, and um, yeah, twelve trades, and you know now that it's a complete thing, I. I super recommend people go and check it out because it is such a twisty, turny series and very funny as well. And presumably they're the, they build in enough time gaps that if they ever wanted to do other stuff, they always, you know, they could, they probably won't because it's, mm. you know, it's a finished work. You know, you have all these stories that you could tell about 
you know, the daughter growing up in all of her wacky adventures and stuff like that and all the other supporting characters that were still around. Mm. You're doing you know, untold tales. Yeah, I was going to say, there's there's always untold tales. I mean, Chew has always been one of my favorite books. So while I'm sad to see it go, I'm glad it ended on a high. Yeah, I'm glad they stuck the landing. I know you are pressed for time, so uh, we were, if we had time, we were going to talk about the year in Chikara. But needless to say, you guys are going to have quack on your podcast sometime in the near future so people can... Yeah, end of January. Yeah, so people can check that out. I assume they're starting season seventeen. I was, I was, I'm like, I know it's 2002, but then there was the break, so I'm like, what's that? Yeah. What's that math? So yeah. yeah, so if if you're an indie fan and want to find out what's going on with them and maybe how they're now coping with this weird landscape where the WWE is hoovering up all the this indie talent, including. Yeah people on your side of the pond it's funny that in a couple weeks they're going to have this uk tournament not soon after i believe it's today today the it is the itv world of sports special oh yeah i have to remember to record that so (laughs) i was funny because i'm like i know i'll see it eventually but i also know that i heard i already already heard ian review it so i already know what happens so if i don't Mm, see it right away it's it's not that big a deal um but yeah so sort of the world of indie wrestling is sort of a, a really fast is in a weird flux right now. So, like I said, you guys will have Quack on to talk about what's going on in Chikara. Um, as we said, you guys just freshly released Hot Off the Internet um, is your newest issue, which is your year-in-review uh, yep. awards due, which came on the heels of your big 150th uh, episode a month or so yeah, ago. which was, yeah, beginning of... Yeah, it, it will. Have, I'm trying to think when it will have been. It will have been sort of towards the end of November was our 150th episode, um, and that was also kind of commemorating the fact that we turned like eight years old, which is just insane to think that I've been doing this for this long. Um, but yeah, so if people want to check it out, then it's at HouseToAstonish.com, and if people want to follow me on Twitter at all, then I am at HouseToAstonish. Great, and for the record, uh, Dynamite is publishing the James Bond book. I looked <laughs> it up while we were talking. So, um, thanks uh, for your time early this morning, Al. Uh, have a no good problem. holiday. Yeah, you too. And we will talk to everybody, hopefully very soon, with a very, very special guest. Till next time, thanks for listening.